Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I am your host Matthew Roberts and this is Season 5, Episode 2 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again today as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials in uh, January the 2nd to January the 8th, covering Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. And today we're going to continue looking uh, at the miracle of Christ being born to a mortal mother and an immortal father and an immortal father uh, and move into the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth um, so going back in time a little bit um, to be able to learn a bit more about the context behind uh, the miraculous announcement and story of the birth of John the Baptist so We'll, um, like I say, finish off looking at the um, in the appearance of the angel to Mary. And as we mentioned, um, Mary was a very specific individual that was chosen for this task to be the mother of the Son of God. Um, we know that um, that Joseph was not his his actual father; that uh, he would be um, the Son of God. Uh, and this was important. Both both aspects of the of the savior, both his immortal parentage and his mortal parentage parentage, were both necessary uh, for him to complete his mission. Um, Elder uh, President Russell M. Nelson said, "Quote uh, said the atonement required quote a personal sacrifice by an immortal being being not subject to death, yet he must die and take up his body again." The Saviour was the only one who could accomplish this. From his mother, he inherited the power to die. From his father, he obtained power over death. Close quote. So, it was only the Saviour that could accomplish this task. Um, <clears throat> his parentage was the thing that made it possible for him to do what he was going to do and, and achieve victory over death and sin. Um, and he was prophesied to do so. The angel um, Gabriel, when speaking to Mary, talked about how this child would be called Jesus and he would have power to reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom would have no end. Then Mary's response is interesting. In verse 34, uh, after the the angel has said about how um, she will conceive a son um, and this will be the name of the son and this is what the son will do. Mary says, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Um, we haven't looked at Zacharias' response to the, to when the angel speaks to him yet, but there is a lot more disbelief from his point of view and we will look and see how that is portrayed. But Mary asks, not in a way where she doesn't believe the angel, but she just asks logistically, how is this going to happen? Considering I, I don't, I, I've not known a man. Um, S. Kent Brown said this, quote, Mary's question, which shows that she is thinking clearly and possesses courage in the presence of a heavenly messenger, differs from that of Zacharias, whose question expresses doubt that the angel's prophecy can be fulfilled. Mary's query focuses on the means by which she will conceive, close quote. Um, this is not a question of of disbelief or of doubt but rather this is a question of 
How shall I go and go about and do what the Lord wants me to do? Question. Uh, and it just reminds us that questions are absolutely okay. <laughs> that we will have questions about many things in our life and that questions should be welcomed, embraced and sought after and answers sought after for. Um, because I suppose if when we go into the experience of John the Baptist conception and Zacharias's question, we'll have a look at the, the comparison between the two and just identify the key differences because uh, Mary was was given an answer to her question. The angel responds and says, The Holy Ghost shall come, come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So we see here uh, just uh, the great promise that is given that, again, the Saviour will be born of Mary and that he will have this divine parentage as well as a mortal parentage to be able to complete his mission. But now let's rewind a bit in Luke chapter 1 back uh, to Luke chapter 5. And if you remember, uh, this the focus of Luke uh, was to um, make it clear about uh, the witnesses that not were not always listened to uh, by the Jewish people, but the witnesses that would go forth to the world as Luke, as a, as a non-Jewish person himself, as a Gentile. The, um, the message or the story begins in verse 5, which introduces uh, Zacharias and um the and, and his and his wife um in this part and uh, they are introduced as righteous individuals in verse six it says they are both righteous before God walking all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless um and what we need to look at here is just the uh, the fact that the Lord responds to bless uh, responds in his own time. So in verse 7, we're introduced to the fact that that Elizabeth was barren and they were both now well stricken in years. Both of those facts are very important um, because it would pave the way for another miracle to be able to take place. Sister Bonnie L. Oskerson said, quote, This young maiden and her cousin who was well stricken in years shared a common bond in their miraculous pregnancies. And I can only imagine how very important the three months they spent together were to both of them as they were able to talk together, emphasize with each other, empathize with each other, and support one another in their unique callings. What a wonderful model they are of feminine nurturing between generations. Close quote. We are going to see a miraculous um, birth be prophesied here with Zacharias and Elizabeth. And as Sister Oscarson mentioned, Mary and Elizabeth will spend time together, which will be able to help them to empathize and to strengthen one another and we'll see this great example in a moment um so at this point uh, zacharias is at the at the temple and he is the one that's been chosen at this year uh, to go and burn incense uh, at a special feast and then in verse um 10 uh would uh, it was be after moments where the multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So Zacharias is on his own uh, in the side of the temple whilst people are at this um, festival or this um, tradition or this ritual. 
and he is in the temple burning some incense. And in verse 11, uh, the angel, uh, an angel appears uh, on the right-hand side of the altar. Now, the, whether the, it was important it was on the right-hand side or not, uh, it's not 100% clear, but S. Kent Brown uh, does have some uh, explanation behind this. Um, in kind of ancient drama, particularly Greek drama, um, a messenger that came from stage right on the right-hand side was usually an indicator of good news, and someone coming on from stage left was an indicator of there being some bad news. Uh, so this is interesting because, um, of course, this angel is here to deliver some wonderful news uh, to Zacharias, um, um, he sees the angel, he is filled with fear and he falls down to the ground. Uh, but Zacharias invites him to, to rise and to listen to this message. And so tomorrow we'll listen to the message, to his response and to Elizabeth's response and talk about um, how the Lord does fulfill promises and blessings. Um, again, it may not be in the way that we want or in, in the timing that we want, um, but he does listen to every prayer. And that will be mentioned as well. So uh, join us tomorrow as we continue with this story and uh, we'll uh, see what we learn from that. Thank you so much for listening and until we meet again.